Let's get started. I know it's a little bit warm in here, but uh, guys, I have been given the duty of uh, when Jeannie asked me what I wanted to speak on, and I said, Mom, you, you know, my, my thing is on restoration and healing of leaders. I stood last night in the parking lot with um, what, I, what I believe to be one of the premier voices that was in our generation, who in three months, his ministry has disappeared, and, he wouldn't, and I told him I was going to share a story everywhere. And he, did, he said, okay. His ministry's disappeared. And his marriage is done. And he, he snuck in last night, snuck out, and I caught up with him. And over the next few minutes, if you'll let me share a word, this is not going to be like if you've been with me at camp or convention. That's, what, that's not what this is like. This is, this is going to be uh, leader to the heart stuff. Is that all right? And for the next few minutes, I want to share a message uh, that's burning in my heart, literally driving down the street. That's got to be Jeroy's room. Can you shut that? Uh, literally driving down the street in my city. And Jeroy, I, we could all go in there and jump. they got a lot of fun games going on. Win a generation. And uh, I was literally driving down the street in my city, and God spoke this word to me. I wasn't dogging Jeroy. He's my boy. <laughs> literally driving down the street. God spoke this word to me. And this is for leadership. And I am kidding. I just went in there and hung out with Droy. But I'm driving down the street and the Lord began to speak to me about the word that I'm about to share with you. And maybe, maybe it's because at some point in the last two years since still traveling this nation and traveling this world and deciding to pastor a, a city which is a whole lot harder to do than get on a plane. It's a whole lot harder to face those demons every day. It's a whole lot harder to sit in a session this afternoon and deal with a guy that called our church, called our office this afternoon and said, Pat told me, somebody told me that Pat said he's kicking me out of the church. That happened to me today. So I, of course, assigned Sean to go and kill the guy. And, and Sean did. Sean went out and made the call. Have you ever been in a room about ready to share something from your heart and you literally dream what God is doing right now? I dreamed about this moment. I want you to watch this video clip, and it, it works a lot better when it's on a giant screen and stuff, but we're going to go for it right here. Just watch this, because it just kind of sets up the message. I'm sharing a message called Molting Season. Just watch this for a second. You know, there's something so powerful about going through a season and learning from that season and then stepping into a level of being able to actually speak about that season. I, I guess some, if you've been with me in the last year or two years, you've heard me talk about uh, a year and a half ago I lost my sister. I flew in from doing Spirit West Coast in California and uh, it was a Saturday night and Sunday morning, sound asleep, 5 a.m. and find out I lost my sister. And it literally put me in a state of just death. Mr. Preach to the world. Mr. Love everybody. And, and it killed me. And, and during that season, I, I'll be honest with you, had it not been for two people in my life, I wouldn't have made it. One is in this room right now. One being my wife, of course. And on that kind of elevated level, uh, of course, my kids were awesome, but that elevated level of somebody in your world, the other person was Sean Terry. 
where he would walk up to me at times and I would get done speaking or whatever and he would say, it's okay to not be okay. Oh, he ticked me off. Or he'd say stuff like, just go hide. You don't have to do, you don't have to be anything right now. So can, can I share this for a few minutes? Because if you'll get a hold of this word, I promise you, it will absolutely change your life. So I'm riding down the street, and I'm sitting, I'm driving past my son's school, and the Lord began to spoke, uh, speak to me, and he said, son, you're in your stretching season. You're about to, ready to fly. And he began to put in me about the molting season. So look at your Bibles real quick if you brought them to Isaiah chapter 40. If not, you can, of course, email me. I'll send you these notes. I'll send you my notes. My notes are word for word. It literally is everything I share is on page. But let me talk to you for a second about a season that a lot of us have been. This is what the Bible says over here in Matthew 25, verse 25. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. I love that right there. Like cold water. And usually we have PowerPoint, but I don't think we have abilities in here. Like cold, cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. So this is one of those words that's for every sidelined, wounded in battle, tired. And really, this is part two of Chris's word. Hold on. Chris was preaching and I'm going, dude, this is exactly where I'm going this afternoon. Because we can come to these conferences and I have come, I've spoke at them for years and I've come to them. And it's so amazing because we get back in the green room and all the guys that are, that are there to speak, you can see every one of them, what we're all walking through. And none of us really don't think, we really don't, I've got to use wisdom how I say this. I have found out the greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. I have found out the more you ask God to use you, the more He just... What is it? Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs twenty thirty, blows and wounds purify the body and cleanse the innermost being. It's not till you really walk through some things and God begins to crush you and Joey that He takes you through some things and you just have nothing left. Like, kind of like when you left Phoenix. See, it's, a, it's that place where you, you all of a sudden begin to get and you say, God, I just... So I'm not going to preach theory for a few minutes or teach theory. And maybe you don't want to be in here in just a second when I tell you what this is about. I'm not going to teach theory. I'm going to teach reality. I'm talking to everybody in here, in here who's at times your value system has been if only God would have. Or, or if... If only this would have happened. And, and you know what I've learned? And I was standing in, in Planet Shakers in Australia. And you'll find out when I do a session, I am not Mr. Practical. I'm just not. I'm a heart guy. I'll cry for no reason. I was standing in Australia doing Planet Shakers. And the guy that really launched youth ministry there, his name is Danny Gugliamucci. And his son was Mike Gugliamucci who did the Healer song. And they walked through a tough time this last year. And some of you may think, well, I don't listen to Healer anymore. Then go ahead and tear Psalms out of your Bible too, okay? All you superhero Christians. Healer just got more powerful because it was flawed, okay? I, our worship pastor came to us and he said, Pastor, do you, do you, do you want me to, us to keep doing Healer? I said, why not? I said, well, let's just tear Psalms out. And some of you know about the song. Anyway, Danny Gugliamucci walks up to me and he's kind of a, he's kind of a hero in my life. And, and I'm getting ready to walk out on stage. And, and he says this to me. He goes, and thousands of kids stand there. And he goes, Pat, God always reveals, reverses, and restores. And he said, and I want you to put that in your spirit because over the next three years, you're going to live that. Well, that was three years ago. 
And see, I've never met anybody who has been greatly used by God who has not had to go through what I call a molting season. I'm riding down the road, and let me pull this all together. And the Lord begins to speak to me. And He said, Son, there's a molting season. You know, every animal just about goes through a hibernation process, but especially birds, they go through a hibernation process. So I got home. I ran home. I wasn't even going to be speaking that Sunday in our church. And I went home, canceled the guest speaker I was having, and, and I began to study molting season. And I began to realize that I needed to share this word, and I have now shared this word to leadership. Just shared this for only, only, only a couple times, but just shared it in Salt Lake City last week. So watch now. I want you to look because this is what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of, creator of the, the ends of the earth. He's not going to grow tired or weary. And His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fail. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They're going to soar on wings like eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let me explain this process real quick. <laughs> They'll pass out in a second. Hold on. <laughs> Jeroy does it at every place we go to. Hold on. Now watch. Every animal or every bird has a molting season that process. What is a molting process? The eagles go through this process. Now understand something. An eagle can see seven times farther than any other bird or any human being. An eagle's wingspan is seven to nine feet wide. It is a majestic beast. I have a good friend. We've got two pro bass fishermen in our church and they're both on the ESPN circuit and uh, uh, they're incredible guys. I love it when they win because they know how to pay tithe. And um, I do. I'll call him after I see that they want an ESPN. I'll go, dude. He'll go, I'll, I'll be there next week. I said, no, you're going to send your tag in from the road. <laughs> and, and, but he was telling me the other day, and we were talking about eagles and talking about that process. And he said, Pat, I was out on a lake and I was fishing. And, and I've gone with him to fish. I mean, we, he and my, my son and I went fishing with him. And I'm not Mr. Outdoors guy, okay? But, but we decided to go fishing. And this guy's got a boat that'll go about 1,000 miles an hour. And I mean, literally, my face is going like that. It was freaky. <laughs> Try to go to the bathroom off the back of a boat like that. And so anyway, I don't know where that came from, but sorry. So, so anyway, we went fishing and, and literally he could, he could hit a fish in the head and catch it. It was crazy. And he called me the other day and he said, dude, I was out on this lake and all of a sudden he said this, I, I saw this majestic eagle up in the tree and I saw this fish, this bass jump. And he said, and I went. To get it. And he said, and I didn't see the fish come from behind, or the, the, the eagle come from behind me. And he said, I screamed like a girl. It scared him so bad. He said, that thing went down into the water and with its claws took my bass away from me. But do you know that every eagle gets tired? In fact, if you ever study the process, some eagles live to be 30 years old, but every seven years they go through what's called a molting process. And it's a process because unlike us, when our skin can heal so easily, the eagles can't. Their wings get old, they get flaked, they get broken, they, they get heavy. And so what happens to an eagle is over a period of about seven years from flying and soaring, at the end of seven years, they have to go into what's called a cave. And they go into that cave and they get inside of the cave and over a, a period of time, they have to go in for about 40 days and they pull all of their feathers out their beak, which has become calcium, they have to beat it against the rock. During this period of time, they literally go blind. They live in dark and they live with other eagles. Are you still with me so far? 
And literally, if you see them inside of the cave, they look like they're sick or they're dying. So as I began to study this, and I'm laying in my prayer room, I began to weep. And what's so crazy about this is they go through this process with other eagles. They can't fly anymore. They get in this in this cave and they literally become like scavengers. They fight amongst themselves. And most of the time, the only way to survive is by another eagle who's been through the process learning how to drop the meat into the cave. So when Isaiah says, you'll mount up with wings as eagles... Now understand something. They don't have vision anymore. You know what I found out? I don't care who you are. If you've been in a church for three to five years, you're going to go through the wall process. You're going to hit a wall. See, what I love about eagles is they even lose their vision during this time. So we can see why Isaiah used this process of growing weary. Because all through God's Word, we see the great ones. We see His leaders walk through dry seasons, what I call the sideline seasons. Well, you're kind of the backup quarterback now. You used to be the star, but now you're kind of like, you're just going to stay over here. But, but, but something may happen, Kurt Warner, when you get back in. You're the guy that everybody else gave up on. Follow me for a second. Job felt that way. He said, cursed be the day I was born. Moses, 40 years in isolation after killing an Egyptian. We've all heard it. Joshua sat, under, sat at the foot of the mountain waiting for his turn. Ruth, Naomi lost their husbands. Nehemiah sat on the, the sidelines waiting for God, weeping over his city. When is the last time you understood God is about cities? We do this thing that's called an, uh, acts of love in our city. And it's where everybody in our church gets these cards, these acts of love cards every week. And God gave me this driving down the freeway um, in my city when I was praying, saying, God, give me a fresh vision. Give me a fresh vision for our city. And we've watched this young church explode. But it's because we've become known as the act of love church. So everybody gets these acts of love. You, you guys got one? I, I know I got one in my bag somewhere. Anyway, where it's the process of, of, of at a restaurant handing this card off and say, hey, we'll, we'll pay for your meal or Starbucks, 19 cars, we passed the, it, the card got passed back and forth too. There it is, it's an act of love. It says you've just been hit with a random act of love from someone at the Summit Church. But it's because it's riding down the roads in the time of isolation that God gives me ideas. I tell Sean, the greatest thing that I do periodically is about every other week fly out and go preach at a youth conference or something. And the reason why is because I get on a plane and God talks to me. He didn't talk to me at home. People talk to me. Nehemiah knew what it was like to see his city's walls tore down, sitting on the sideline. Elisha, uh, Elijah sat under that juniper tree, wanted to die, and, and then lived three and a half years by a brook called Cherith. Elisha walked for 20 years as an assistant to Elijah. David ended up living in a cave. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 22, called a doulam. What does a doulam mean? A justice for the people. And that's where all his family and his brothers, 400 and all, came down together and lived together. Listen, what are you talking about? Because I'm going somewhere. I'm about to stretch. There are people in this room that have been anointed for right now. And you've been sitting there saying, God, what are you going to use me? Now, if you want ABCs of youth ministry, I, I've been out too long to share that. Got some great CDs, I'll sell you. But if you want to know how to not quit when you should, you, you want to know how not to end up in a parking lot last night with one with, with a, two friends who used to do conferences together looking face to face and one saying, what happened? How's your kids? 
two friends who knows what it's like to spend two million miles on planes. And for that friend to look at you and go, I don't know what happened. It's learning how to molt. Are you still? Is everybody still with you? It's learning to come back to that place. I brought my wings with me. Because there's feathers all over this place in the spirit. People that, that you, 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 you stop dreaming somewhere along the way. So I'm going to talk about the, the molting season. What does Psalms 4, 1 through 3 say? Answer me when I call you. Call to you. Oh, my righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O oh man, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you, will you love delusions and seek false gods? Selah. You know what Selah is. It's a moment where you just chill. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord will hear when I call to Him. Hosea knew what it was like to lose his wife. Jonah sat under. Uh, uh, Jonah has an unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story. I've been doing a lot of studying in Jonah, and and because Jonah Jonah had a whale. And now listen, I would have sent a newsletter out on that whale situation. I'd raise some money off that baby quick. Dude, yeah, three days in a well, I'll come preach to your church for this amount of money. I would have done that. Uh, then then Jonah had what else did he had? He had the weed. I'm talking about some weed. I mean, the brother had a giant weed grow up that became a tree. That's some fertilizer. I'd have wrote a newsletter on that one. Jonah missed his moment. He could have made major ministry money off this. And then he had a giant worm. So he had a whale, a weed, and a worm. And he's complaining about his ministry. And then what happens? All of a sudden, God looks at him. And he's complaining. He said, God, they don't know the right hand from the left. I just did, did a whole thing on it. You check out our end time series on our table. And he says, but he said, they don't know their right hand from their left hand, meaning back then they didn't use toilet paper. They used their left hand to go to the bathroom with and the other hand to eat with. And he said, they're so mixed up. They're so debauchery. And then all of a sudden the king gets saved, ticks Jonah off, and the whole city gets saved. And Jonah's complaining about it. Then that, you know what I call that? The agony of victory and the thrill of defeat. How many times we have a great victory happen and all hell attacks us as soon as we get done? How many times as soon as some outpouring of God happens, we go home, we have a thousand kids show up for an event, and we're like, oh my gosh, we're the biggest youth ministry in the city now, and all of a sudden you go home and you want to die. I spent ten years fighting a failure spirit. Every time I'd go to bed at night, could preach to ten or to ten thousand and would battle it until God freed me up. Remember what he said to Jonah? I love what he said to Jonah. Last thing he said to Jonah. Jonah! Last line in the book of Jonah. Am I not concerned about the city? And Jonah disappeared off the map. His greatest week of ministry becomes it. I'm about to stretch. Hold on. That's what Joel said. Multitudes in the valley of decision. Jeremiah, the enemy dug a pit for my soul. I don't care who you are. You have to walk through the death season in ministry. Is everybody okay with this today? You showed up. Y'all probably followed these people with the signs, but anyway. Every believer, every leader has to go through a season of isolation and trial. And some of you have been hibernating. Let me give you some causes real quick quick of of the molting season. Number one, molting seasons can be caused by offenses and hurts. How many people live their lives molting? The meanest people I've ever met are the ones that are called into ministry and they ignore it. Or, and they usually end up becoming board members. And, and it's people that said, someday! And they, they, they spend their life wondering, what if? My son said to me the other day, he wants to go to University of Alabama and wants to go to medical school. And, and he, he loves sports. And he goes, he said, Dad, you know, I'm a little worried. He said, the grades thing is pretty easy for me. He said, I know I'm called, though. Which, which one should I do first? And I said, why don't you do both? 
He said, Dad, I just don't want to be that guy that money and education keeps him from the call. 17, asking me late at night that, how do I know which one I'm supposed to do, Dad? He said, I just don't want to be that guy that's miserable. He said, I don't want to be wrapped up in money. Proverbs 22, verse 17, cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. How many people are are, are sitting there in ministry that are so wounded? Folks, I can tell you, I'm a preacher's kid. I can tell you my mom hates the church. Did you know that offenses can keep you in bondage? You begin to waste away at the point you got hurt. You throw out purpose for possession. You develop walls that keep people out, hurt in, and got away. You, you, you begin to live your life looking through a magnifying glass and not a telescope. And Paul said, forgetting what is behind me, I press, I press. This is a, a, you tend to be an armchair quarterback when you live in offenses. Offenses cause molting seasons, seasons of death. Criticism and cynicism begin to rule your, your day. 80, it is said that 85% of, every, of all leaders suffer uh, great offenses and hurts. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's John chapter 11, Martha looking at Jesus. Lord, if you've been here, if you've just been here, God... Even though Matthew chapter 6 says, if I don't forgive others, God can't forgive my sins. I had one lady who came up to me when I was a youth pastor. One woman. One nutcase. Who came up to me one time. And, and, or actually, she called my house. I was a youth pastor in Decatur, Alabama. Exploding youth ministry. God was doing some cool stuff. And she called me and for 30 minutes told me what a failure I was. And I was, it was, and I was young. And how it was my fault that her son was going to hell. And it put me in two months depression. Two months it owned me. Two months I could hardly preach. Oh, listen, listen, listen. What, what happens when you get offended in ministry? You wander in a metroplex, or excuse me, in a wilderness and not a metroplex. The voice of God becomes an echo. You become a workhorse instead of a donkey Jesus rode in. I'm preaching on the donkey Sunday at our church that Jesus rode in on. The guy I want to meet when I get to heaven. The donkey. The donkey. Distrust becomes your best friend when you've been hurt. Love will leave your vocabulary and you'll live a life of fear. Remember, perfect love. Cast out all fear. I'm talking about the molting season. See, some of you know what it's like to feel like, God, where are you? I haven't heard you in so long. Why am I in this place? And you're sitting there. and you, Chris, Chris, Chris hit it already. You don't even need this session. Chris hit it so incredibly. Causes a molting season. The offense. Did you know that the molting season usually includes the entire family? What happens when you get hurt? They never see the real you. This is when the household leader gets hurt. They live in, a, in, a, in, in fear of, of being blamed themselves. They, they take on your offenses. They become judgmental. What does Romans 2.1 say? And I, I wish I had PowerPoint so we could point at some different uh, key things. But it says, You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same. 
Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment, or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness? What are you talking about? Tolerance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Remember when Moses failed miserably? You may not realize it, but he had a wife named Zipporah. And they had such a jacked up marriage that she tried to stab him. And she never even went farther in the journey. Moses walked in such a fence as a leader that his own marriage didn't make it through the wilderness period. Much less his destiny. What causes a leader to go into molting season where you have to fly down and you pull your feathers out and you hide from everybody and you beat your beak against the rock because you can't taste anything good anymore and the only ones that can feed you is your text leaders. Help me. Send me some meat. Can't even get a sermon right now. I've been there. What causes the molting season? God didn't do what you thought He would do. Can cause a molding season. You know what I call this? Too many failed expectations of butlers. The door openers. I literally get texts and Facebooks and emails every week from people that want me to say, they say, mentor or or help me get launched on the road. I want to do camps or I want to do this. And I I I, I can't. Remember what it says about John the Baptist? Remember Matthew chapter 11? You know, um, of him there's never been anyone greater and yet he was the least of these in the kingdom. And, and it goes on to say the king, since, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is being taken by force and the violent lay hold of him. He said no other, no other greater prophet had ever been born. Isn't that what it says? But did you know that John died ticked off? He died so angry at Jesus. Well, that's not true. That's not in God's word, Pat. Yes, it is. In fact, remember what happens? Uh, it's over in, in Luke chapter 7. Remember John gets put in prison. All of a sudden, John's sitting in prison. And he's sitting there and he's like, dude, I'm, I'm in prison. I preach the gospel. My ministry stopped right when God's ministry started. Right? Wouldn't that suck? Jesus like stopped your ministry? So all of a sudden, he said, I must decrease that he might increase. Remember what happens? He baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River and his ministry's over. He's been living in the woods. He's been preaching the gospel. He's, his cousins are all in the temple. And now he's been living on tree stumps. He's wearing camel skin, which will chafe a brother. That'll give you a bad attitude anyway. And then the Bible says that all of a sudden he gets put in jail. Remember when he gets put in jail? All he could do is Mark chapter 6. It's the same reason why we have pornography. What, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says uh, Herod, you know, was watching his stepdaughter, who's actually his niece, dance. And he gets so enthralled with her that... Remember, he offers half his king because that's what porn does. It takes because we all men especially love to compartmentalize. We got ministry, business, family. Take my family. And she said, "No, Mama wants Mama wants the head of John the Baptist." Wait a minute. Mark chapter six verse eighteen says he feared John the Baptist. So pornography always takes your fear of God. Remember what happened? He's sitting in prison. He tells his disciples, John does, "Go check him out. Find out if he's the real deal." This is his cousin. He got filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. 
Why would he do that? Because he had heard Jesus preach that Isaiah 61, he had heard Jesus say, I'm coming to set the captives free. I'm going to heal the sick. He had seen all that. But he's like, hey Jesus, here I am. I'm in prison. I'm about to die. And what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 7? He says to him, he said, blessed is the man, John. Go back and tell... By the way, John's disciples, go back and tell John this for me. Go visit him in prison and say, blessed is the man who, who shall not be offended in me or on account of me. He was saying, tell John... Don't be so offended at me. This is part of the process. What causes hibernation? I know it's hot in here. Open that door. Eddie, open the door for me. Number two. Or, or, or excuse me, number four. Too many early victories can cause a hibernation. Leave the door open. A hibernation and a molting process. What do you mean? You're not ready for the spotlight. What, what does the Bible say? John 15, verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that what his word says? Everybody's still with me, right? I know it's hot in here. I don't know if they've got the air off or whatever. What is Philippians 4, 6? Don't, do, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which trans all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So too many early victories can cause you to be living in the cave. I'll never forget, man. Our first youth ministry was in Tampa, Florida. Exploded! For, for back then, what an explosion would be. Now it's more like a spark. But I mean, like a couple hundred kids. One is like, wow, we're the, we're the big deal. My pastor, little short fellow, sweet, gentlemanly old fellow, still very close to him today, all the respect in the world for him, comes up to me one day and he goes, I think you've peaked too early. And I went, what? He said, yeah, you're seeing success too early. And it ticked me off, you guys. I'm like, how could you say that to me? He was right. It reminds me of the guy that went to preach. In, uh, true story. Evangelist shows up in a town to preach. Rocks a church. God moves. People come from everywhere. Packs it out all week long. Then, then all of a sudden, they, they word about him gets around town so they call him up and they say we want you to come in but this time we want you to come in and do a citywide crusade he's like dude I am the man and so all of a sudden he shows up in town to preach and walks in and places packed I mean he's got his head held up he is just the man so all of a sudden he walks up on stage to preach you can shut that now because it's a little bit noisy Walks up on stage to preach. Everybody's watching. And he does, he does a horrible job. How many of you preaching here? Raise your hand. How many of you ever just sucked it up really bad? Exactly. Nobody's got to tell us. The mirror can tell us. I tell my wife, you better lie to me every time. We are married to lie. And all of y'all that are married to honest people, y'all need to go back and have a talk. Because I don't need honesty when I know I've messed up. Okay? But anyway, he gets done preaching and goes to give an altar call and it just is horrible. Nobody moves. Nobody comes to the front. Nobody. It's just terrible. So you do what we do. You know, everybody just turn around in your chair. Citywide event, he says, everybody turn around in your chair. 
He waits till everybody leaves. I mean, it stinks so bad. He stays like this the whole time. And finally, he, he looks. Everybody's gone. So lights are down. And he's going to walk off stage. And all of a sudden, as he's going to walk off stage, this little janitor standing off stage, sweeping, says, Sir, can I speak to you? He said, Sure. He said, Sir, if you'd have come up the way you're going down, you'd have gone down the way you came up. You know what I've learned? There are seasons when God has to put you in hiding. You are dangerous. You're gifting. And there are times where God has to hide you. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. People who get really good at what they do, they forget and they don't need Jesus anymore. I have gone through seasons of preaching and my prayer life sounded like I was ordering food. And it sounded like my... Menu prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Anoint today. Let the fire fall on these 10,000 kids. And God said, where are you? Sometimes God has to knock you off the horse. See, people don't realize that Paul, who was Saul, means well-known to men, became Paul, which means of little known stature, got knocked off a horse. He gets knocked off a horse, and then he picks up a Bible and starts to preach. What happened? The disciples sent word saying, Hey, dude, we're scared of him. He's a murderer. Last week, he had my picture on most wanted Christian to kill. What happened to Paul? Bible college for three years. He disappeared. That's why he would later write in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. influential. Not, not, not many of you uh, were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to do to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may be boast may, may boast before Him. Somebody's about to stretch in here. I'm about done. See, what I want to tell you is, and this is a big one, what causes the molting season? Write this down. The enemy has been keeping you from us. How many people has God wanted to use, but we get so busy we never go and get them? We never reach out to them, Jason. We never, we never wrap our arms around them. We never say you're going to be great. We never speak to that mantle sitting on their life. Elijah, we never prophesy their future anymore because we're so wrapped up in doing ministry. I, I love this. First Thessalonians 2.17 But brothers... When we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. This is Paul talking to, to Thessalonica. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For, the, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when He comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Yeah, I love what Paul says. He said, I wanted to come help you, but the enemy kept me from See, I know what it's like to sit in a hotel room twisting a ring around my finger having to watch out, walk out and preach a youth convention at Pastor Barnett's church there in Phoenix. Twisting the ring my sister gave to me four weeks before she died going, God, I hate ministry. And literally walk out there. Oh, I know we're going to get real now. Literally walk out there. And God moved so powerfully I didn't have to preach because I had nothing left in me for the third service. 
Oh, but you were there, weren't you? You didn't know that, though. Dio, we just float on stage. But I had sat in the service, in the hotel room right before me came. I said, I quit. Joey, I quit. I was so mad at God. I said, why'd you let her die? Now, all you perfect people that know how to preach to thousands and don't battle that stuff, you don't belong in this room. See, Roy's doing an incredible job down there on games, and he is the best. You don't need to hear this kind of stuff. But I'm talking to everybody that's fixing to fly. Everyone's about to step into launch mode. Everyone has been through enough hell that you are the ones that God will use. You're the one that God, God's going to raise up. You want to, everybody talks about Joel Stockstill. Blew it up this morning. My friend did. But you don't know what it was like those three days, right, Sean? In that hotel or in that excuse me, hospital room floor as he listened to. And as we laid on the ICU floor, me and him and Jude Fuquay and Judah Smith saying, God, don't let his wife die. You know what he said to me at lunch? Today's his wife's birthday. He said, Shaz, I'd rather be preaching today than at home in my apartment. See, y'all don't know that when he was blowing it up this morning. I, am I making any sense today? Is this just one of those weird kind of times where everybody's going, what is he doing? He's melting in front of us. He's melting. He's freaking melting right now. Watch. I'm not. I'm trying to tell you that you're going to be great because of what you walk through. This is part two of Chris's sermon. This is that molting season. What do you mean? How do you handle your molting season? Realizing your molting season is a season of preparation and training. That hiding time. I remember laying in the college, in my college floor screaming, God use me. Then one day, all my friends were going surfing. We lived in Florida. I lived in, went to college in Florida. All my friends were going surfing. They're going, Shaps, come on, let's go surfing. And all of a sudden, God says, and He never spoke to me until that day. He says, stay home. Pray all day. God, it's Saturday. Of course, I would go surfing any day. I mean, it was just college, but Saturday didn't really make a difference, especially Sundays were great surf days. And, and, God, it's Saturday. Stay home and pray all day. God, I'm not staying home. My friends, we're going surfing. We're going to Cocoa Beach. Best surfing in Florida. Stay home. Dang it. All right, God. Six hours laying on my floor, screaming in my apartment. Use me, God. Had an integrity tape on. This is before CDs. It was just after eight tracks. <laughs> not quite real to real yet. And, and I'm laying there and I said, God, Excuse me. Knock on the front door gate. I walk to the door and there's that little short, bald-headed guy. Look like Yoda. Visit you, I will. <laughs> gas I passed. By the way, I passed gas three days ago in the Mormon Tabernacle. And it's a place where the noise, you don't need a... It's a huge room, but you can hear a pin drop. You should have heard what it did. <laughs> That's free. I did it for my boys in Salt Lake because they're fighting demons there anyway. And so, I'm sorry. I rabbit trailed for a second. I really did blow it up in the Mormon Tabernacle. Ask Jamie. If y'all know Jamie Montero, call him. It smelled like burnt chili. Let's move on. All right, look. I know. That's sick. I know. I should quit. Joey, you appreciate it. Joey, what? 
But that little preacher looked at me and he said, I've been to three apartments, or excuse me, two other apartments. They gave me a list of three. You're the last one on the list. I need a youth pastor. The other two were gone. Serve. <laughs> it's Reinhard Bunky who's led a couple people to Jesus. I just got a text Sunday. Got a text Sunday. They just, I don't know. They're in Singapore right now. They had, I think, over 10,000 saved this weekend. Wow. Got a text from Reinhardt. Reinhardt gets up to preach in, 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 in uh, South Africa or in Nigeria. And they have like a million people there to hear him preach. And all of a sudden he goes, he's standing in the back. He goes, God, thank you. I think I'm telling this right. I'm not. I'll make it better than he would. And um, he goes, God, thank you for choosing me to win Africa. And he goes, God says, I didn't. You weren't my first choice. In fact, Reinhardt, you were my fifth choice. The other four guys turned me down. That'll keep you kind of humble. <laughs> Realize your molting season is a season of preparation and training. I know what it's like to stand in the woods and scream and say, Where are you, God? Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says, or Excuse me, Luke 2, verse 52. What does it say about Jesus? He had a molting season. From the age of 12 to the age of 30, he disappeared. During that time, his father died. He ended up living with his uncle. That's why he went and visited his uncle first. When he came out of the tomb on the road to Emmaus, one of the disciples was his uncle's. Because you always go to your family when you resurrect. But Jesus, for 18 years, went into a molting season. For 18 years, he disappeared. What are you talking about? Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as, as, as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. Children of Israel, 40 years to do an 11-day journey. Because they kept skirting the mountains. They didn't learn from their season. Your molting season, I've got, to, I've got to close right here. Your molting season is where you learn to rely on God. What do you mean? It's where the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, He teaches us wisdom. Open that door for me, if you would. I've got to close. I know it's hot. I know you. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. It's your crushing season. It's that season where your Tozer uh, said before God can use him greatly, he's got to crush him deeply. deeply. Number three, why do you have a molting season? Your molting season is a time to be renewed. He said it in Isaiah 40. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's what he said. Those who wait. It's honestly great leaders. When's the last time you crawled into a prayer closet? And I'm not talking about some little weird moment. And I'm not talking about going to take three days and hide from your family and tell them they don't matter. I'm talking about every day. People, we, we make God's stuff so weird all the time. We're lucky our kids like Jesus. Can't come here. My daughter, you know what my daughter did to me? Two weeks ago, I was writing a sermon for Sunday, right? I was actually done with it. I was in my prayer room on Saturday night. She knocked on the door and said, Your prayer time is over. It is tea time. <laughs> I said, What? Tea party. She did that to me. I said, All right. I had a tea party in the middle of my prayer time for Sunday, and God moved. But I'm talking about that time where you say, God, I've got to have you. I'll close with this. The day of superstars is over. The day of the big name evangelists is over.
the day of people that go out and people flock to their stadiums to see Him, it's over. It is the day of the minister in the body now. I believe that with all my heart. It's a day of cities being changed. So it's a time to be renewed. What does is, what is Hebrews 12 verse 2 say? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who's, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from simple men so that you not grow weary and lose heart. When your molt, Write this down. When your molting season ends, your reason begins. C.S. Lewis said this. God seems... And I love this quote. He says, God seems to do nothing in Himself himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures he commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly in the twinkling of an eye (laughs) god says i want you to do it he said i want you to do it slowly and get it all messed up why did jesus go in the wilderness full of the spirit he's led in the spirit what happens when he came out of the wilderness spirit anybody remember and his ministry when he walked out Forty days of hell, led by the Spirit, and his ministry grew, and his name spread abroad. Don't tell God you want him to use you. The hibernation season is a season for you to grow again. We're waiting on you to get free. We're waiting on you to launch. We're waiting on you to step out. It's Matthew 11. Come to me all who are heavy laden. It's Romans chapter 8. We're waiting on the sun. All the sons of God are screaming out, waiting to be revealed. And God is saying, I'm waiting on people. Look at that eagle. Do you know that once the eagle goes through that molting process, he walks out to the edge of the... Now the whole time he's been being fed by other eagles. But he'll walk out to the edge of that cave And he doesn't realize it, but he can see now. He doesn't realize it, but his wings have grown back because he had sat and pulled them all out. And when he takes off, he flies faster and harder than he flew during the first season. The molting process is that process where you say, God, why are you hiding me right now? I see you using all these other people and you're not using me. What's going on? Josh McDowell came up to me a few minutes ago in the room. And, and I love Josh. And he's been a hero in my life for a long time. And he comes behind me and he grabs me and he says, How's Birmingham? And sits down behind me. He won't let me get up. Sits down behind me and just starts talking. And we've been together many times. But he starts telling me. He's had him almost 70. What did he tell us, Sean? He just led 6,000 to the Lord in Poland. I wish he'd do a ministry somewhere. But what I love about Josh, the father of youth ministry, Jeannie's the mom, he's the father. Josh says to me, Pat, let me come to Birmingham. I'll come hang out with you guys and we'll just touch some kids' lives. I said, he said, I'm serious. He said, I can't stop running. And then you know what he said? Well, there's some things I can't tell you he said. But he said, keep your marriage pure, Pat. Keep your Jesus time real. He writes me little notes. I get little notes in the mail from him, from Delta. He writes them on Delta stuff. What I'm trying to say to you is, if Isaiah would say, 
like an eagle. I guess what I'm trying to say. We've got to do this drama. I, had our, I heard this song, and you've probably heard this like 10,000 times, but I, I, they're going to do it up here, right in this little room. Uh, I, I had heard this song, and, and I'm just like, wow, that's, this song messed me up. And I played it over and over in my hotel room one day, and, I, and it was like three months ago I heard it. And, and I had never heard it. I mean, I just shows you I'm kind of out of the loop a little bit. I had never heard Jason Upton's song. Dying star, and and a friend of mine who's led a few people uh, from from the dead, raised a few people from the dead down in Mexico, called me one day and he said, "Turn this song on now." And I said, "Okay." So I downloaded Dying Star, and I turned it on in my hotel room, and I ended up wailing and weeping and playing it over and over again for about two hours. Remember that, Sean? I called you and said, "Dude, I messed up." But see, guys, is anybody in here ready to soar? Anybody tired of feeling like you're hibernating? Anybody felt like you're hibernating? I should have done this first. Like, well, God, when's it my turn? Man, as a youth pastor, I always felt like that. And I'm going to be honest with you, I saw it wrong the first few years. Because it's like, i got to go to that church so I can elevate. i got to go to that. I mean, I, I really did. I saw this. The other night, I, I spoke at our youth ministry. Our church is two years old. And I'm driving home. I spoke on Modern Day Night. My wife spoke one of her messages on Daddy's Princess. Our youth pastor asked us to do it. God wrecked the house. I'm with the guys. She's with the girls. We Crazy fire. And I look in my rear view mirror and there's this little cross or crossfire coming up behind me. And it's my son driving. 17 years old. And I look down and he calls my phone. And he goes, Dad, greatest sermon I've ever heard. I go, well, thanks, pal. He goes, no, no, no. Dad, I want to be a knight. 17. I had to pull off into the medium and cry. That's bigger than speaking to 30,000 at Shakers or standing on stage in Singapore, New Zealand, or speaking at Genie's Conference. Molting season many times, this is the last point, is to get you to remember what it was like to fly. You have to remember what it's like to fly. Would, would you watch this real quick? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you out of here. Go ahead. <laughs> 